This is Totally Bananas. Hello, and welcome to Totally Bananas. I know I said the last time that I'll try and do something different each time, but due to popular demand, mainly one person, <laughs> it has been requested that I continue reading the Book of Dragons. So that is what I'm going to do today as well. The Chancellor and the Prime Minister and the Nurse all came running to see what was the matter, and when they saw the book they understood, and the Chancellor said, You naughty little king, put him to bed Nurse, and let him think over what he's done. Perhaps my lord, said the Prime Minister, first find out exactly what he has done. Then Lionel, in floods of tears, said, It's a red dragon, and it's gone flying, or away to the hills, and I'm so sorry, and oh, do forgive me. But the Prime Minister and the Chancellor had other things to think of than forgiving Lionel. They hurried off to consult the police and see what could be done. Everyone did what they could. They sat on committees and stood on guard and lay on wait for the dragon. But he stayed up in the hills and there was nothing more to be done. The faithful nurse, meanwhile, did not neglect her duty. Perhaps she did more than anyone else, for she slapped the king and put him the <laughs> for she slapped the king and put him to bed without his tea, and when it got dark, she would not give him a candle to read by. You are a naughty little king, she said, and nobody will love you. Next day the dragon was still quiet, though the more poetic of Lionel's subjects could see the redness of the dragon shining through the green trees quite plainly. So Lionel put on his crown and sat on his throne and said he wanted to make some laws. And I need hardly say that though the Prime Minister and the Chancellor and the Nurse might have the very poorest opinion of Lionel's private judgment, judgment and might even slap him and set him to bed, the minute he got on his throne and set his crown on his head, he became infallible, which means that everything he said was right and that he couldn't possibly make a mistake. So when he said there is to be a law for there is to be a law forbidding people to open books in schools or elsewhere, he had the support of at least half of his subjects and the other half, the grown up half, pretended to think he was quite right. Then he made a law that everyone should always have enough to eat. And this pleased everyone except the ones who had always had too much. And when several other nice new laws were made and written down, he went home and made mud houses and was very happy. And he said to his nurse, People will love me now that I've made such a lot of pretty new laws for them. But nurse said, Don't count your chickens, my dear. You haven't seen the last of that dragon yet. Now the next day was Saturday, and in the and in the afternoon, the dragon suddenly swooped down upon the common in all his hideous redness and carried off the soccer players, umpires, goalposts, ball and all. And the people were very angry indeed. And they said, we might as well be a republic after saving up all these years to get his crown and everything. And wise people shook their hands and foretold a decline in national love of sport. And indeed, 
Soccer was not at all popular for some time afterwards. Lionel did his best to be a good, good king during the week, and the people were beginning to forgive him for letting the dragon out of the book. After all, they said, soccer is a dangerous game, and perhaps it is wise to discourage it. Popular opinion held that the soccer players, being tough and hard, had disagreed with the dragon so much that he had gone away to some place where they only play cat's cradle and games that do not make you hard and tough. All the same, Parliament met on the Saturday afternoon, a convenient time for most of the members who would be free to attend, to consider the dragon. But unfortunately, the dragon, who had only been asleep, woke up because it was Saturday, and he considered the Parliament, and afterwards there were not any members left, so they tried to make a new Parliament. But being a member of Parliament, had somehow grown as unpopular as soccer playing, and no one would consent to be elected, so they had to do without a parliament. When the next Saturday came around, everyone was a little nervous, but the Red Dragon was pretty quiet that day, and only ate an orphanage. Oh my god, I don't, I don't know if this is a good dragon. Um, Lionel was very, very unhappy. He felt that it was his disobedience that had brought this trouble on the parliament and the orphanage and the soccer players and he felt that he w it was his duty to try and do something. The question was, what? The blue bird that had come out of the book used to sing very nicely in the palace rose garden and the butterfly was very tame and would perch on his shoulder when he walked among the tall lilies. So Lionel saw that all the creatures in the Book of Beasts could not be wicked, like the dragon, and he thought, Suppose I could get another beast who would fight the dragon. So he took the Book of Beasts out into the rose garden and opened the page next to the one where the dragon had just been... where the dragon had been just a tiny bit to see what the name was. He could only see... Cora, but he felt the middle of the page swelling up thick with a creature that was trying to come out and it was only by putting the book down and sitting on it suddenly very hard that he managed to get it shut. Then he fastened the clasps with the rubies and turquoises in them and sent for the Chancellor who had been ill since Saturday and so had not been eaten with the rest of the parliament and he said, what animal ends in Cora? The Chancellor answered, the Manticora, of course. What is he like? asked the King. He is the sworn foe of dragons, said the Chancellor. He drinks their blood. He is yellow, with the body of a lion and the face of a man. I wish we had a few Manticoras here now, but the last died hundreds of years ago. Worse luck. Then the King ran and opened the book. Uh, at the page that had Cora on it. And there was the picture, Manticora, all yellow with a lion's body and a man's face, just as the Chancellor had said. And under the picture was written, Manticora. Manticora. In a few minutes, the Manticora came sleepily out of the book, rubbing its eyes with its hands and mewing piteously. It seemed very stupid, and when Lion... And when Lionel gave it a push and said, Go along and fight the dragon, do. It put its tails between its legs and fairly ran away. It went and hid behind the town hall. 
and at night, when the people were asleep, it went around and ate all the pussycats in the town. And then it mewed more than ever. And on the Saturday morning, when people were a little timid about going out, because the dragon had no regular hour for calling, the manticora went up and down the streets and drank all the milk that was left in the cans at the doors for people's teas, and it ate the cans as well. And just when it had finished, the very last little half penny worth, which was short measure, because the milkman's nurse were quite upset, the red dragon came down the street looking for the manticora. It edged off when it saw him coming, for it was not all the dragon-fighting kind, and, seeing no other door open, the poor hunted creature took refuge in the general post office, and there the dragon found it, trying to conceal itself among the ten o'clock mail. The dragon fell on the strength. The dragon fell on the manticora at once, and the mail was no defense. The mewings were heard all over the town. All the kitties and the milk the manticora had seemed to have strengthened, strengthened its mew wonderfully. Then there was a sad silence, and presently the people whose windows looked that way looked that way saw the dragon come walking down the steps of the general post office, spitting fire and smoke, together with tufts of manticora fur and the fragments of the registered letters. Things were growing very serious. However popular the night, however popular the king might become during the week, the dragon was sure to, was sure to do something on Saturday to upset the people's loyalty. The dragon was a perfect nuisance for the whole of Saturday, except during the hour of noon, and then he had to rest under a tree or he would have caught fire from the heat of the sun. You see, he was very hot to begin with. At last came a Saturday when the dragon actually walked into the royal nursery and carried off the king's own pet rocking horse. Then the king cried for six days and on the seventh he was so tired that he had to stop. He heard the bluebirds sing among the roses and saw the butterfly fluttering among the lilies and said, Nurse, wipe my face, please. I'm not going to cry anymore. Nurse washed his face and told him not to be a silly little king. Crying, said she, never did anyone any good yet. I don't know, said the little king. I seem to be better, and to hear better that I've cried for a week. Now, nurse, dear, I know I'm right, so kiss me in case I never come back. I must try to see if I can't save the people. Well, if you must, you must, said nurse. But don't tear your clothes or get your feet wet. So off he went. The blue bird sang more sweetly than, than ever, and the butterfly shone more brightly. The, the, blue the blue bird sang more sweetly than ever, and the butterfly shone more brightly, as Lionel once more carried the Book of Beasts out into the rose garden and opened it very quickly, so that he might not be afraid and change his mind. The book fell wide open, almost in the middle, and there was written at the bottom of the page, Hippogriff! And before Lionel had time to see what the picture was, there was a fluttering of great wings and a stamping of hoofs 
and a sweet, soft, friendly neighing. And there came out of the book a beautiful white horse, with a long, long white mane, and a long, long white tail. And he had great wings, like swan's wings, and the softest, kindest eyes in the world. And he stood there among the roses. The hippogriff rubbed its silky soft, milky white nose against the little king's shoulder, and the little king thought, But for the wings you are very like my poor, dear lost rocking horse. And the blue bird's song was very loud and sweet. <laughs> then suddenly the king saw coming through the sky the great struggling, sprawling, wicked shape of the red dragon, and he knew at once what he must do. He caught up the book of dragons and jumped on the back of the gentle, beautiful hippogriff and leaned down, he whispered in the sharp white ear, Fly, dear hippogriff, fly your very fastest to the pebbly waste. And when the dragon saw them start, he turned and flew after them with his great wings flapping like clouds at sunset, and the hippogriff's wide wings were snowy as clouds at moonrise. When the people in the town saw the dragon fly after the hippogriff and the king, they all came out of their houses to look, and when they saw the two disappear, they made their, they made their, up their minds to the worst and, begin, and began to think what they could wear for court mourning. But the dragon could not catch the hippogriff. The red wings were bigger than the white ones, but they were not so strong, and so the white-winged horse flew away and away and away, with the dragon pursuing till they reached the very middle of the pebbly waste. Now, the pebbly waste is just like the parts of the seaside where there is no sand, all round, loose, shifting stones, and there's no grass there and no tree within hundreds of miles of it. <laughs> Lionel jumped off the white horse's back and in the very middle of pebbly waste, and he hurriedly un and he hurriedly unclasps, unclasped the book of beasts, and he laid it open on the pebbles. Then he clattered among the pebbles in his haste to get back onto his white horse, and had just jumped on when up came the dragon, and he was flying very feebly and looking around everywhere for a tree, for it was just on the stroke of twelve. The sun was shining like a gold guinea in the blue sky, and there was not a tree for a hundred miles. The white-winged horse flew around and around the dragon as he writhed on the dry pebbles. He was getting very hot indeed. Parts of him even had begun to smoke. He knew that he must certainly catch fire in another minute unless he could get under a tree. He made a snatch with his red claws at the king and the hippogriff, but he was too feeble to reach them, and besides, he did not dare to overexert himself, for fear he should get any hotter. It was then that he saw the Book of Beasts lying on the pebbles, open on at the page with Dragon, written at the bottom. He looked and he hesitated, and he looked again, and then, with one last squirm of rage, the dragon wriggled himself back into the picture and sat down under the palm tree, and the page was a little singed as he went in. 
as Lionel saw the dragon had really been obliged to go and sit under his own palm tree because it was only the tree there, he jumped off his horse and shut the book with a bang. Oh, hurrah, he cried. Now we have really done it. And he whispered, and he clasped the book very tightly with the turquoise and the ruby clasps. Oh, my precious hippogriff, he cried. You are the bravest, dearest, most beautiful. Hush, whispered the hippogriff modestly. Don't you see that we are not alone? And indeed, there was quite a crowd round them on the pebbly waste. The Prime Minister and the Parliament and the soccer players and the orphanage and the Manticora and the rocking horse and indeed everyone who had been eaten by the dragon. You see, it was impossible for the dragon to take them into the book with him. It was too tight fit even for one dragon, so of course he had to leave them outside. They all got home somehow and lived happily ever after. When the king asked the Manticora where he would like to be, when the king asked the Manticora where he would like to live, he begged to be allowed to go back into the book. I do not care for public life, he said. Of course, he knew his way into his own page, so there was no danger of his opening the book at the wrong page and letting out the dragon or anything. So he got back into his picture and has never come out since. That is why you'll never see a Manticora as long as you live, except in a picture book. And of course, he left the kitties outside because there was no room for them to be in the book, and the milk cans too. Then the rocking horse begged to be allowed to go and live on the hippogriff's page in the book. I should like... <laughs> it's a horse, right? <laughs> I should like... He said, to live somewhere where dragons can't get at me. <laughs> that was... <laughs> Okay, that that's a horse. So the beautiful white-winged hippogriff showed him the way in, and there he stayed till the king had taken him out for his great-great-great-great-grandchildren to play with. As for the hippogriff, he accepted the position of the king's own rocking horse, a situation left vacant by the retirement of the wooden one. And the blue bird and the butterfly sing and flutter among the lilies and roses of the palace garden to this very day. That's the end of this story. I think there are more in the Book of Dragons. I assume there are more stories with dragons in here and maybe I'll get to them. Anyway, I, I hope you enjoy this and uh, I miss you. <laughs>